Hello everyone and we just want to um, welcome each one of you again as you join with Kate and myself and we trust that you will be encouraged as you meet around God's word and you hear God's word. We just want to let you know that we do thank the Lord for each one of you that come on with us each week and we thank the Lord for our family, our friends, for all our children and grandchildren and for those who are serving the Lord throughout this world. We just appreciate one, each one and we pray that each week that you will be encouraged and that you'll grow a little bit more um, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Hello everyone, great to be with you again this week. We know that the weeks just seem to fly through from week, one week to the other. But we are so thankful that we're able to come on again and share God's word with you. We pray that you're encouraged as you hear God's word. Now, I know that through the week, sometimes we feel um, that we're a little bit, you know, powerless. Sometimes we feel a bit weak or a bit discouraged. And we just wonder, what does God's word say to us to help us get through the week from day to day? And I was just reading these couple of little verses and they help me and I hope they help you. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the first part said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And that's the Lord speaking, that his grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in our weakness. And then in Hebrews 12, 12 to 13, it said, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. And, you know, when we place our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, we can hold on to the promises that God gives us in his word. And he has promised to be with us in the, the times that we feel weak. And he has promised to make us strong. So I just encourage you today, if you haven't trusted the Lord, to place your trust in him. Again, if you have any questions, please feel free to ask us and we'll endeavour to answer them for you. But it's lovely to be here again. Just say hi where you're from and encourage one another. And that will be really good. Really good. Hi everyone, it's um, really good to have another chance to be together. I've been thinking this week about um, the, the suffering that the believers can experience in, in life. And uh, we know we have many brothers and sisters around various parts of the world who suffer incredibly simply because they're, they're, they're believing in Jesus and wanting to, to follow him, to follow his teachings. We know that there's been refugees having to flee their countries and uh, settle in other places. And that's so like exactly what happened um, to these believers in the book of James. They, they were dispersed <coughs> because they belonged to Jesus. They were dispersed for believing in him. And so I want us today to have a, a quick think about um, what it means to, to have experiences of suffering for Jesus. Now, we, we might not suffer all in the same way. We may suffer very differently. In the West, we don't seem to have the persecution others do in different parts of the world. But, you know, James has told us in, in his writing here that we can, we can expect these trials. We can expect them um, forms of suffering to, to come upon us. They're not going to be unusual for us. They're not going to be alien to us. So this week, I want us to sort of step outside the book of James a little bit, but hold that theme. And uh, we're going to look at uh, what, it's, what it looks like for, for Christians to experience suffering. Um, I'm sure we've all had some form of it. You know, the psalmist writes in, in Psalm 119, verse 71, an amazing phrase. He says, it's good for me to be afflicted. It's good for me to suffer so that I might learn your decrees. So our, the suffering that, that God seems to permit to come on us, whatever that looks like, 
um, conform us into an appreciation of the word of God, the, the standards of God, who God is, and, and what God wants to do in his world and even accomplish through what we're experiencing currently. So I want us to be practical this morning or this evening, wherever it is with you. I want us to look at what it means to uh, suffer in various forms. The first one is very simple, uh, the suffering of criticism. I'm sure we've all experienced criticism in some form, and even the Lord Jesus suffered criticism. Words hurt. Um, rejection hurts. This criticism that we receive, it really can hurt. But the Lord's most public critics were uh, the group known as the Pharisees, and they, they confronted the Lord as he was in the temple on one occasion. Now, attempt to visualize them crowding around uh, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, with, with eyes that are filled with contempt, contempt for him, contempt for his, his ministry of, of helping people, healing people, uh, proclaiming God's truth, declaring who God is. And so with them standing face to face with Jesus, Jesus chooses to actually address them with these words. Let me read them to you from John 8, 37 to 38. Jesus said to them, I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you're ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you, you, you do what you have heard from your father. You do what you've heard from your father, who he's suggesting may be another father. He referred to them as Abraham's children, but claimed they were not living in the manner of which Abraham would have approved. They weren't living as followers of Abraham. And so the Pharisees immediately retorted with a sense of pride, as people do at those points in time, with these words in verse 39. Abraham is our father. So they immediately come back. Abraham is our father. You've said we, we may have another father. Abraham is our father. To which Jesus then responded, if you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you're determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing the things your own father does. So he takes them again to this place of, you belong to somebody else. Again, the Pharisees make their retort by making these very emotional and intentional and vulgar insinuations against the Lord Jesus. So they, they stated in verse 41 that they were not illegitimate children, with the inference being that Jesus was. So they say, we're not born like that, but, but you were. Um, they knew of Mary's pregnancy, that was public knowledge, and her, her quick marriage uh, to Joseph. And to the Pharisees, Jesus, Jesus was viewed as an illegitimate child, and therefore a sinner because of his birth. So to them, he didn't qualify to be supposedly who he was claiming and professing to be in any way. They, they move on then in verse 48 to make two more derogatory accusations against, against Jesus. They say, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan? And the Samaritans were the descendants of Jews and Gentiles and were therefore referred to, viewed as social, re, social rejects and half-breeds in, in the society. They referred to Christ as a Samaritan with a, well, that was a very, very low thing to do, but nothing in comparison to the third criticism that they were about to launch at Jesus, the Son of God. The Pharisees then claimed that Christ was demon-possessed. What, what an offense <clears throat> to heaven to suggest that the, the perfect Son of God, the Redeemer, the Savior, was a, a follower of the devil and doing the devil's work. Yet as Christ suffered these critical insults, he didn't go into a demonic rage, threatening retaliation, which we so often do whenever criticism comes like that. He humbly obeyed the Father, even when criticized. And so we have to do the same. When, when those colleagues at work criticize your faith, don't retaliate. 
when, when your unsaved family and friends criticize you spiritually, don't, don't retaliate. Instead, follow the example of Christ. Hold your tongue and learn obedience. It's a big thing to do in the midst of being uh, criticized and suffering criticism. The, the, the second point that I think we can, we can learn from is the, the suffering of persecution, if you want. I mentioned this earlier that we have brothers and sisters suffering horrendously in different parts of the world. Well, Christ also learned obedience through the actions of people who, who, who lived against him, spoke against him. And soon the verbal punches became literal punches. Uh, Jesus had been doing many actions of blessing people, doing good things for people. I was about to perform one, um, one of great comfort to Mary and Martha by raising Lazarus from the, from the very dead. Pretty incredible thing to do. I mean, miraculous. He's about to do that. And this made the Pharisees incredibly jealous. So they plotted to kill the Savior. They, they didn't care about Mary and Martha. They didn't care about Lazarus. They just cared about their own stance, if you want. Um, in response, Jesus restricted his movements. And so we read in John eleven fifty four. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. You see, the religious leaders wanted Jesus arrested um, so that his activities would stop, that they would cease. So they began enlisting informers. Verse 57 of John 11 reads, The chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it to them so that they might arrest him. So they want people to dog Jesus in if you want. And the stress from being hunted like a, like this must have been an incredible pressure, even for Jesus, being hunted like a, a wild animal. And for no reason of guilt, he was being hunted like this and forced into going to hiding and, and constant threat of being given over to the uh, authorities for punishment, if you want. However, Christ handled himself, handled himself in a very godly manner. He simply went into hiding privately, carefully, subtly, didn't make a big thing about it, just got on his way. Missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, also learned uh, this great truth of obedience through suffering. He, he wrote these challenging words to us believers and to the believers of his day. He says, it doesn't matter really how great the pressure is. And I think Jesus is under incredible pressure. People today are under incredible pressure. You might be one of them. It doesn't matter really how great the pressure is. It only matter, matters where the pressure lies. See that it never comes between you and the Lord. Then the greater the pressure, the more it presses you to his breast. We come closer to Jesus. We've always heard that about people under persecution. They say it drives them to Jesus. So in the West, we, we've never had that experience in, in many recent years anyway. So not that we'd want it necessarily, but that's what it seems to do. So through suffering, Taylor seems to have been drawn closer to God. Through suffering, Christ uh, molded his obedience to the will of God. It seems that God knows that his children, through suffering, yield themselves in obedience to his spirit, like the psalmist told us. It drives me to appreciate and to love your decrees, your word, your statutes, your statements. It drives me to that, Lord. <clears throat> so my question is this to you. As you go through life, are you growing in Christ-likeness through the, the suffering that, that comes to you? Is it pushing you closer to the breast of your Savior, your Redeemer? It, it, it should be. Now, the, the third point um, is simply a, it's a very different form of suffering. But I'm sure we've all experienced that at some point in time, the suffering of, of silence or the silent treatment 
if you want. There's nothing more frustrating than, than someone refusing to speak to you. Um, and for some of us, the, 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 the silent treatment can be really hurtful, really difficult to work through. And Christ was about to learn obedience whenever God remained silent. So, so God becomes silent to his own son, but Jesus is going to learn obedience or experience more, more obedience in all of this. It must be the most distressing, agonizing feeling whenever you run to God for help and you're called to do that and you do that only to find the doors of heaven seemingly shut solid. And when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, we, we, glean, we glean some such feeling as that of suffering silence. We read in Luke 22, 39 to 44, these words. Jesus went out as usual to the, the Mount of Olives and uh, his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And the angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and a sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You've got a question, where's the great plan of God in all of this, if you're right there in that circumstance? Christ is alone, he's completely alone, and he prays so intently to the, the Father, trying to communicate with the Father, that his, his sweat is as drops of blood. But still, still there's no reply, still there's no communication, because heaven appears just to be shut solid. Still Jesus doesn't give up. He, he, he didn't attempt to find a, an easier way and sort of a, escape the future crucifixion agony that he knew was he was going to have to experience so that you and I could come to know him as Lord and Savior. Christ chose to follow God's direction, God's plan, even when he couldn't have communication with his Father. That's a big lesson right there. But when it feels like God is so far away and you feel so alone, are you willing to, to trust him? Are you willing to, to follow him, to obey him, to, to believe that his plan is still perfect? Because we can be sure that in all of our lives, there'll be, there'll be desert times, times when it feels like, like heaven is silent, times when it feels like, like even God is not listening, even God is not responding, there's just nothing. The fourth point is simply this. Um, I'm sure we've suffered wrongs in a variety of ways, but, but Jesus suffered the most incredible, uh, incredible wrong that man could ever experience. He was innocent. Not, not just of the accusations against him in every way, but he was innocent of sin itself. <clears throat> Christ never in any way qualified for the, the crucifixion that, that he would experience. He never, never sort of humanly got there because of wrongdoing. <clears throat> he qualified simply because of who he was in, in Christ, the Son of God. Bible comment, one Bible commentator put it like this. At the crucifixion, all the vultures, vultures, evils of hell gathered to feed upon Christ, hatred, slander, revenge, cruelty. He suffered it all. All of that was forced upon Jesus. And by suffering the agony of sin, which he, he was never guilty of, Christ can legitimately say today that he understands the abused child who, who cries herself to sleep at night. He, he knows all about the hurt and the agony of the rape victim who burns with anger and rage and rightly so. He knows every one of our emotions. He knows every one of our, our struggles. He knows all that's going on in our lives because he has suffered as we suffer. 
And more than that, he has suffered God's wrath for sin so that we might never have to, to suffer eventually. So he's, he's removed God's wrath of sin from us so that we will we'll never suffer in that way, but our suffering will conclude. So all the suffering that we experience in this life is nothing because it'll soon be gone. It's in the blink of an eye in one sense, not minimizing it. It's horrendous, but still it's nothing in comparison because good things lie ahead for those who know Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And throughout all this suffering, Jesus sets such an amazing example for every one of us. The example of clinging to God the Father. We need to cling to the Father because we're gonna face suffering. You can be sure of that. It will come to you, it will visit you. In John 16, 33, Jesus warned his followers of the, the difficulties of the involving the, the suffering that would come to them. He said these words, in this world, the world that you and I live in, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. He warned us. So be prepared. It's going to come. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have tribulation. We're going to have trials, difficulties in life. These believers in the book of James, these these dispersed Jews, that's exactly what they were experiencing. They suffered horrendously because they followed Jesus, they loved Jesus, they wanted to believe in him and to enjoy the freedom that only he could give. So they were sent to different parts of the world, but they never gave up. They held on to his truth, they wrestled through things, and they kept walking with him, believing that he would lead them to a good place, which we believe he did, which was that wonderful place of having complete peace in him, even in the midst of their troubles and their trials and their difficulties. I'm sure you'll go through many things. You've probably gone through many. Um, I have no idea what this week holds for you, for me, for anybody, but let's walk it. Um, believing that even when these trials come, come, even when suffering, forms of suffering come to us, that we'll rest in Christ, we'll settle in him, we'll say, Lord, thank you for leading me. Thank you for using me. Lord, would you use these trials, this difficulty, this criticism, these hurts, that people put upon me because I follow you, would you use them somehow to magnify, glorify, and make much of your great name? Be blessed as you move into a week that none of us know what it holds, but we know it holds the week. So be blessed as you walk there, expecting difficulties, expecting troubles, but living in him confidently, living in him courageously, and living in him believing that you can walk through him for his honor and for his glory. Be blessed as you do so. Have an amazing week living for King Jesus and following him. Thanks for listening, folks. Bless you.